Good evening, everyone. How's my volume? Is it good? Okay, it's not too loud. You sure? All right. Thank y'all so much for coming out. My name is Trevor. Um, I'm a staff member on CSOC, and I'm very happy to be with y'all tonight, and I'm glad y'all are here. Are y'all glad to be here? Yes. I know it's kind of an intense time. Exams are coming in left and right. So um, I thank you and I thank the Lord that you would take time out of your busy schedule to come to tonight's meeting. We got an awesome, awesome topic on the golden incense altar. And does everybody have an outline? Raise your hand if you don't have one. Want everybody to have an outline. And I really encourage everybody to take notes because the faintest ink is better than the best memory. Faintest ink is better than the best memory. And as a quick review, got a picture up here of the tabernacle. So we've been in the furniture of the tabernacle. And just kind of let you know where we've been. We started off here in the Holy of Holies, looking at the ark. And then the next week, we looked at the propitiation place, which was the, uh, the cover of the ark. Then we went back a little bit. And then we looked at the table of the bread of the presence. Here that is right here. I know it might be hard to see for some of you back there. Um, sorry about that. It's kind of dark too. But um, just working with what we got. We moved next uh, the following week to the golden lampstand. That was last week. And today we're on this piece of furniture right here that is right before the second veil separating the holy place from the holy of holies. This is the golden incense altar. So how about we go to the next slide? See kind of a bigger picture there. So that's the golden incense altar. And um, jumping in here, how about these verses under the golden incense altar in Exodus 30? How about let's read that all together. Ready, go. Okay, what I want you to do is take your pen or pencil and circle altar there at the beginning. Circle burn incense. Circle acacia wood. And circle pure gold. These are kind of the points that we're going to hit. See the significance of these things. How about, um, Joseph, let's go back to the first page. Thank you so much. All right, first, okay, so the golden incense altar, this was the place in which to burn incense. And so that takes us to Roman numeral one that says burning incense typifies praying. Trevor, where would you get that from, man? Thank the Lord for the Bible. So let's read what the Bible has to say about this. So how about let's do, uh, let's do sisters on Luke 1, 10 through 11. Ready, go. Okay, here's what I want you to get out of this. I want you to circle praying in verse uh, 10, burning incense at the end of verse 10, and then 11, altar of incense. That's the golden incense altar, what we're talking about. So what this verse shows is there's a relationship between prayer and the burning incense at the golden incense altar. And even this relationship is further defined, I would say, in Psalm 141.2. If we could have the bros... Read that. Ready, go. Let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the 
Okay, I want you to circle prayer. Draw a line with an arrow to incense and circle that. You see, they equal one another. Let my prayer be set before you as incense. So the psalmist knew right here, the incense, that's not the reality of what we're talking about here. My prayer that is set before God, that's the reality of that burning incense. So that explicitly says, nails the uh, hammer hits the nail right on the head, that burning incense typifies praying. And I love it because here burning incense, these are prayers that are ascending to God on the throne. And that we'll see will cause God to react in a very positive way to these prayers that ascend before him, that are set before him on the throne. Okay, moving on to Roman numeral two. So we saw that burning incense typifies praying. What about the incense altar? Let's read Roman two all together. Ready, go. Okay, first point I want to make. You go back up here to Exodus 30, verses one and three. You see that the incense altar, it's made of acacia wood and it's overlaid with pure gold. We've been seeing consistently as we're moving through the furniture of the tabernacle that acacia wood signifies humanity, that gold signifies divinity, so that the golden incense altar was made of acacia wood overlaid with gold, signifies humanity mingled with divinity. Who's that? That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Pretty consistent of what we've seen, right? The Lord Jesus Christ has been all these aspects of the furniture for our experience. So the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the reality of the incense altar. But even more specifically, because the purpose of the incense altar is to burn incense on it. And burning incense typifies praying. The incense altar signifies Christ praying, Christ interceding. I hope that makes sense. And we see here in Romans 8.34, this is a New Testament verse showing the reality of the golden incense altar. How about, read, let's read that all together. Ready, go. Okay, I want you to underline intercedes for us. And then I want you to circle for us. How about that? You know, the Lord Jesus Christ, through his death, death resurrection, and ascension, uh, he was made both Lord and Christ, and he sat down at the right hand of God. But I think sometimes we think he's just chilling up there. He's just posted up at the right hand of God, not doing that much. Actually, we see he's very active. At the right hand of God, he is interceding for us even right now. It's wonderful. Now, maybe um, some of us had heard this word, intercession or interceding, but maybe not know exactly uh, what kind of prayer that is. It's a kind of prayer. And intercessory prayer, which is what the Lord is doing, it's 100% for others. It's not, it's not a prayer that revolves around the person praying. So intercessory prayer is altogether concerning others. So the Lord's not up there praying for his well-being, praying for this and that for himself, he altogether has us in mind. He's interceding for us. And we have a further development of this matter of Christ, uh, the interceding Christ in Hebrews 7.25. How about let's read that all together. Ready, go. Hence also he is able to save 
Okay, I need you to underline several things in this verse. <clears throat> underline, he is able. How about let's say that? Ready to go. He is able. Thank the Lord. How about save to the uttermost? Fill in that. Yeah, underline that. How about come forward to God? Yeah, definitely. How about intercede for them? Amen. And then I want you to, so all those are underlined. I want you to circle since. It's a key word. We're going to come back to that, but I want you to circle that. Now, I would like to um, define what it means save to the uttermost. We don't really use that word uttermost anymore. But in the Greek, this word is profound, it's high, it's deep, uh, its breadth is amazing. It's, uh, let me just tell you, okay, it's a multifaceted word. Saved to the uttermost, <clears throat> this is not just being saved a little bit. This is not just, I'm cleansed by the blood, thank you Lord, have forgiveness of sins, I begin eternal life, and I'm not going to go into eternal perdition. That's not being saved to the uttermost. Being saved to the uttermost is being saved completely. How about you say amen? amen? Being saved to the uttermost is being saved entirely. Amen. amen. Being saved to the uttermost is being saved perfectly. Being saved to the uttermost is being saved to the end. And being saved to the uttermost is being saved for eternity. So really, this expression, saved to the uttermost, is all-inclusive. All right. Moving on to the next point, he is able. Thank the Lord we have an able Christ that is, that is able because he has been appointed a high priest according to an indestructible life. To, he can save those who come forward to God. Thank the Lord we're not shrinking back. We've come forward to God tonight. And here we have this wonderful word, since. It's easy to skip over this word, but this is wonderful because what this word since means... It means that all the things that occurred previously in the verse, before the word since, what occurs after since is going to show you the reason why those previous things can happen. It's going to tell us why can he save to the uttermost those who come forward to God. What's the reason behind that? The reason is, is because Christ lives always to intercede for them. That's the reason. How can we be saved to the uttermost? Yeah, outwardly on the surface, it looks like, okay, I'm going to this. I'm getting with the brothers here. I'm going to this meeting. I'm enjoying the Lord here. You peel back, you peel back the layers, and what's motivating all that is the interceding Christ, him praying for us. Inter he always lives to intercede for them. Now, by interceding, what does the Lord do? It's wonderful. By interceding, he takes our case before God and takes care of our case. How many feel like your case is kind of messed up sometimes? Definitely me. We have one living always to intercede for us. And by his interceding, he's taking care of our messed up case before God so that we're not stuck in our messed up situation with our messed up case, but Christ is there taking care of our case before God because he is interceding for us. <clears throat> and also by interceding, he appears before God on our behalf. Isn't that good? 
Don't you feel like you need somebody to appear before God on your behalf sometimes? Definitely. Well, the Lord is doing this always because he always lives to intercede for us. And in his appearing before God on our behalf, he is praying that we would be saved and we would be brought into God's purpose. Do you need to be saved a little more? I do. Do I need to be brought into God's purpose a little more? I do. And I think we all agree that we can also make progress in this area. How can this happen? It's the interceding Christ, praying that we would be saved a little more and brought a little more into God's purpose. And what's wonderful, my brothers and sisters, is that what does this look like in the light of all of our fellowship on Exodus and in light of the tabernacle? This is wonderful. Being saved to the uttermost, those who come forward to God, you know what that means? Christ is praying that we would eat him as the bread of life that we would eat him as the bread of the presence, so he would energize us and strengthen us for our service to God. He's also praying that we would come to him as the light of life at the lampstand so that we could see what his plan is and we can be infused with him to become a part of his living testimony on the earth today. He's also praying for us that we would keep on going and enter in into the Holy of Holies that's where God is to, again, enjoy God dispensing his grace into us so that we can also be a part of his testimony. So that also being saved to the uttermost, we can be built up as God's dwelling place today, which will consummate, the climax of this will be the new Jerusalem as God's habitation and his eternal rest for his satisfaction and the fulfillment of his heart's desire, that's being saved to the uttermost, and that is why Christ is praying for us, and that is how we're being moved forward in God's purpose. Isn't that pretty good? Thank the Lord. He knows what we need, and he's praying according to our need. He knows if we need to eat Christ more, you know what? He's praying that to God, God, get inside them and operate them more so that they come forward to eat the bread of the presence. And continue with the other items of the furniture, all for the sake of God's dwelling place being built up so that God can finally have his habitation on this earth. This is the interceding Christ, and this is how we can be saved to the uttermost by his prayer. Wonderful. Here's the thing, though. As encouraging that it is, which I hope you all are encouraged that Christ is always living to intercede for us. Even right now, he's praying for us in our going on in God's purpose. Okay, but the Lord has gone through a process. He's died, he's resurrected, he's ascended, and you know what? As the Spirit, he's gotten into many. Is the Lord in you tonight? Yes. Thank the Lord. That means that we are now parts of this wonderful Christ as members of his body, and what he wants to do is he wants this interceding life, this life of intercession to be enlarged and increased among the members of his body, which is all of us and all God's people tonight, so they can cooperate with him and what he's doing. And that takes us to the third point. How about let's read the third point together, our cooperation with the interceding Christ. Read it together. Ready, go. Our cooperation with the interceding okay, 1 Timothy 2. Let's read those verses together. Ready, go.
Okay, get your pen ready. I'm going to address several things in these verses. Underline, first of all, underline intercessions. Okay, I want you to um, circle all men. I want you to underline Savior God there in verse 3. In verse 4, I want you to underline desires, underline saved, and underline come to the full knowledge of the truth. And then again, circle the all men there in verse 4. So, I'd like to first hit this point on Savior God. We have a Savior God, and our Savior God is Jesus Christ. Is He not our Savior? Is He not our God? Jesus Christ is our Savior God. And we just saw that Jesus Christ is interceding on our behalf so that we could be saved to the uttermost. But it's interesting, you know, we have the desire of our Savior God explained in verse 4. Y'all see that? Savior God, who desires all men, how about say all men? All men men to be saved and to come to the full knowledge of the truth. That's his desire. That's what he's praying for. But I would like to ask y'all, do you see this happening? All men, that's pretty much all inclusive. That's everybody. That's everybody. God desires everybody to be saved and to come to the full knowledge of the truth. But do we see this desire being carried out on behalf of all men? The answer is no. We don't see people get saved. And we don't see people come to the full knowledge of truth. Surely not all men. So you have to ask, what's the disconnect? This is his desire. The desire of our Savior God, Jesus Christ, who's gone through so much Becoming a finite man, living a perfect human life for 33 and a half years, dying an all-inclusive death on the cross, overcoming death in his resurrection, ascending to the right hand of God, interceding for us day and night. And yet, what's the disconnect? Why isn't he carrying out his desire? What's the missing link? Okay, this is where we come in. This is where our cooperation with the interceding Christ comes in. Not a small thing, right? Our cooperation with the interceding Christ. You know, the missing link, it's actually um, a principle that God has established, and it's the principle of prayer, is that Christ, he won't act alone. In carrying out his, his desire, he won't do it by himself. He doesn't want to do it by himself. He, want to get, he wants to gain man's cooperation, which means, you know what? Our life can count toward God's desire, towards Christ's desire, and Christ wants us to be involved. He doesn't want to be Rambo. He doesn't want to fly solo and just do it all himself. He wants our cooperation with him. This is the principle of prayer. And, you know, like we've seen, he is interceding in the heavens. But what about an echo of his intercession on earth with his people, with the members of his body? How about an echo chamber? Christ is interceding in the heavens, but what about a group of people that echo his prayer from the heaven on the earth? That would be wonderful. Prayer is joining ourselves to the revealed will of God. So, God has a heart's desire. He has a will. And what he wants to do, he wants to show us what's on his heart. Don't you like it when, if God would just open up his heart to you and you could see what's inside? 
We'll hear part of it in verse 4 of 2 Timothy 2. He desires all men to be saved and come to the full knowledge of the truth. Thank you, Savior God, for opening up your heart a little bit to us. Okay, the revealed will of God. But he doesn't want that just to remain head knowledge for us. He wants us to have a revelation of what he's doing. And not only that, but through the Holy Spirit, he wants to impart the very desire of his heart into our heart so that our heart becomes a duplication of his heart. That's what he wants to do. And then when that happens, there is a response from his people on the earth that echo Christ's intercession in the heavens. And it is a a prayer that is echoed in light of God's heart's desire. So this is an, an equation that I want to give you guys, okay? God's desire, write down G subscript D. Okay? Everybody knows what a subscript is, right? No? Okay, ask your neighbor and hopefully they can help you. (laughs) You can capitalize, that's fine. G, subscript D. Capital D. Plus, capital M for man. Subscript I, man's intercession. And that's, uh, that's a, that is an intercession that corresponds to the intercession of Christ. And that is one with the interceding Christ. Equals salvation. So you got it? God's desire plus man's intercession equals salvation. Paul knew this. You go back to verse 1 in 1 Timothy 2. I exhort therefore second of all. I want to make sure you all are paying attention. First of all. Why did Paul say first of all? Because he knew the principle of prayer. He's like, if we don't pray first, man, God can't do anything. Because he said a principle that he doesn't want to act alone, and our prayer allows us to be one with him and join with him for what he wants to do, which is to save men and bring them to the full knowledge of the truth. God's desire plus man's intercession equals salvation. So you know when you circled all men in verse 1, encircled all men in verse 4, I just want you to put an arrow there. First of all, intercessions be made on behalf of all men. Then you have Savior God who desires all men to be saved. See, the equation is right there in the verse. And again, this is not a salvation where you just repent and believe and thank the Lord my sins are washed away. But it is, is a salvation that is complete, that is full, and is a salvation that contributes to the building up of God's dwelling place. You know, to come to the full, the full knowledge of the truth, that's the full knowledge of the reality. The real things, and the real things in this universe is Christ and the church. God wants us to come to the full knowledge of these real things so we see them and experience them so that our life contributes to God's purpose. So may we be those ones who are echoing the prayers of the interceding Christ in the heavens to lay down the tracks for God's move today on this campus. Now, your UT students, wonderful time to be in college. Wonderful time. So how, how does this apply to me? How can I be involved? Um, well, thank the Lord. There's roommates. There's classmates. There's friends. There's family members. 
And I think, you know, many of us have had, have had this experience. We're enjoying the Lord, fellowshipping with the believers in the Word. And, you know, spontaneously, as Christ is growing in us, He'll put specific names on our heart. And it's those specific names that are actually the names that the interceding Christ is also praying for. And what He's desiring... And the reason he put those names on your heart is that he just wants you to echo the prayers that Christ is already praying so that there could be a way for God to operate on this earth, for the will in the heavens to become the will on the earth so that God could reach these ones and enter into these ones and bring them into a life that contributes to the fulfillment of God's purpose. So I want to, I hope you, uh, actually, okay, y'all want to hear a little story? Getting close to being done. Little story. <clears throat> so um, I came to UT in 2006. And believe it or not, uh, I walked on the football team. Got my boy Chris back here. So thankful for my brother holding it down. Uh, he was one of the first upperclassmen that I met. <clears throat> so there were some lovers of Christ on the on the uh, football team. And in spring 2008, Chris Hall, John Gold, who used to be on staff here and Michael Flath, they came together, and they just surely it had to be of the Lord. They had a feeling to get together to pray for the salvation of every one of our teammates. How about that? So they came together week one, and then kind of the word spread, the invitation got passed. Thank the Lord, I got an invitation. I joined that time. And uh, man, we had a good group eventually that would come together every Thursday night after practice, after dinner, for an hour in the field house, right over here in the south end zone in the players' lounge. We would come together, and for an hour, we would pray for the salvation of every one of our teammates. And, brothers and sisters, can I say that every prayer that we prayed was at the golden incense altar and completely and perfectly echoed the prayers of the interceding Christ? No. But... We were there just learning, and we were there learning by doing, but I do believe that some of our prayers were an echo of the interceding Christ in the heavens, and that because there was an echo on the earth of the interceding Christ in the heavens, the will of God in the heavens was brought and made the will of God on the earth. And I was just considering, Lord, like, what's a good, what was a good manifestation of God's reaction to all that prayer that we had. Um, and we continued until we left the football team in, in um, the end of fall 2009. We continued that Thursday night time. What was a manifestation of all that prayer that we did that ascended before God on the throne and that caused him to react? I couldn't help but think how the Spirit was poured out in summer 2009, where among our group of friends people that we were connected to, there was around 17 or 18 baptisms that summer. Just like, I, I've never seen any. Thank goodness I was one of those baptisms. Thank you, Jesus. But it, it wasn't like, oh, this person over here, okay, now this person over here. It was ones that we were connected to. Guys on the football team. Friends of friends on the football team. We were connected to all these ones and one night, we'd baptize two. Another night, we'd baptize three. Another night, four were getting baptized. And I just believe that that was God's reaction. From the echoing 
of the interceding Christ prayer on the earth, God just had a way to carry out what he wanted to do. And, and he wanted to take me and these other ones that got baptized that summer on in his full salvation so that our lives could contribute to that. God's dwelling place on the earth. Really wonderful time that I'm so thankful, and I hope you guys can just touch this a little bit in your college years, just like Chris and I touched it in our, in our college years. And just to wrap up here really quickly, <clears throat> I want to give you guys some practical points to experience the golden incense altar. So point number one is pray with your companions. We have Matthew 18, 20 here. For where there are two or three gathered into my name, there am I in their midst. What's wonderful is that, you know, sometimes there was, we're just going about our day and we have a heart to enter in into this kind of intercessory prayer at the incense altar. Sometimes we're just too weak. I confess, when I'm rolling solo, I'm just pretty weak. But when we get together with another brother, with another sister, the Lord's presence is there and His presence actually strengthens us to pray. By ourselves, sometimes we can, be, we can be weak and we're just shrinking back. But when we just get with another brother, another sister, there's a strengthening there. And we are emboldened to come forward to God and pray. Number two, apply the blood of Christ and be washed by the Spirit to enter into God. Joseph, can we go to the third slide here, please? Hebrews 10.19, having therefore brothers boldness for entering the Holy of Holies in the blood of Jesus. So here's the incense altar. This is where prayers of intercession are prayed that causes God on the throne to react and brings His will from the heavens to the earth. But we start out here at the bronze altar, and this is the place in type where Christ shed His blood on the cross. So when we sin, we are separated from God. And so in order to get in here, into the tabernacle... We need to apply the blood. Get the blockage out of the way. Maybe we haven't sinned, but we've just been in contact with the world and we're kind of dusty. You know what? We need to be washed by the Spirit of God at the laver. We'll come to that piece of furniture very soon in the near future. You see here, applying the blood to um, wash away our sins, to remove that hindrance. Being washed by the Spirit of God to wash away the earthly defilement. defilement. You see here, we get ushered into the tabernacle, which means that we get ushered into God. And it's here where we pray at the incense altar. Finally, we need to eat Christ as the bread of life. Let's read Leviticus 24.9. Ready, go. Okay, so we see here the priest... They ate the bread of the presence. And what this does is that this strengthens us to pray because if we're going to pray one with Christ, it sounds like we need to take him in. That just makes sense. You know, right now, that pizza that you've eaten is being digested, being assimilated, and being made one with you. And it's strengthening you. The same thing with Christ as the bread of the presence. We eat him. We take him in. He, we become constituted with him. We become one with him, and he energizes us to join with him in his prayers of intercession. So I hope these points are helpful. Um, sorry, let me, eating Christ as the bread of life. Sorry, let's make that practical. Very simple. Pray God's word. That's how we take Christ in. Open that thing up. 
chew on some verses with your companions, you will see the strengthening power of the bread of the presence that will propel you to be one with Christ in his prayer of intercession. So, I hope you got it. Point number one, burning incense typifies praying. Point number two, the incense altar signifies Christ interceding. Point number three, we need to cooperate with the interceding Christ. And point number four, we got some practical points for our help to enter in into this wonderful experience. Now, if you look on the back, you have some supplementary reading, and you have, um, you have three lines at the bottom. So I hope in our small group we'll allocate some time. How about write some names that are on your heart and just take a couple minutes to pray for them. Be exercised to be one with the interceding Christ who is living always to intercede for us. So we can group up right now. And I hope we're again going to, are we going to open it up for a little prophesying at the end, Tim, a little bit? Or do we need to address some announcements? There. A little prophesying at the end? Okay, again, just want to encourage everybody. One point that you enjoyed. Encourage y'all to share it for our building up. Okay, we can group up now.